Welcome to Maritime Software Hub, the podcast for people that are passionate about innovation and technology across the maritime, supply chain and satcom space. Hosted by me, Callum Beaumont and my colleague Daniel Duggan, this podcast will introduce our listeners to a fantastic mixture of highly influential and successful guests, shining a spotlight on their careers and expertise by reviewing key challenges and rewards associated with their day-to-day roles. In addition to hosting interviews, we'll also be sharing our insights into the latest hiring trends and career opportunities across the maritime software space and its associated markets. So please sit back and enjoy this episode of Maritime Software Hub, the People Podcast, brought to you by my team at Cordell Beaumont, the Maritime Software Recruitment Specialists. So hi, Chris. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Callum. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to uh, to have a chat today. No, my pleasure to meet you and, and obviously speak to you again. It's been uh, six months or so, I think, since we were last on, on your your last dinosaur podcast, which seems to be absolutely flying since we last spoke. So it's great to have a chat with you again. Oh, this is going to be awesome. And congratulations on yours. I think it's such a great uh, medium to get out and to kind of you know, get out in the space and to, to do something a little bit different. I, I'm excited to listening to your podcast as you kind of develop it, uh, over, you know, in the next few months and beyond. No, pleasure. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you joining us. So perhaps if you don't mind, if you can give us a quick intro, uh, obviously your, your, yourself, your role, and, and then we can dive into a few questions uh, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Chris Aversano. I'm a product manager here at uh, QED8, uh, a Vesson nautical company. And my background has been uh, solely in maritime. I started off uh, the 32nd CV. I started off, I went to one of the maritime schools uh, in the United States, SUNY Maritime. And and from there, I just kind of fell in love with the maritime industry. You know, nobody in my family really had a background. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of you know great people that I know and friends, you know, their dad sailed or they had an uncle in the business. And and not in my case. Uh, I just fell in love with it. I sailed for a little while for mobile oil, uh, and then I came ashore for them. Right when STCW and I, you know, ISO ISM came into effect, I started to write some of those documents. Uh, I actually migrated into the uh, marketing group and then bounced into chartering. Boy, I did some chartering for a while, uh, and then I kind of knew. I was working for mobile, then Exxon Mobile, and I really wanted to get to the nuts and bolts of it. And that's when I became a broker, where I spent 11 years as a broker with Charles Weber here in the US. Um, and then I progressed a little bit. I went in, uh, worked for a ship owner. Uh, it was a company that was owned by uh, Apollo, a company called uh, Principal Maritime. The fleet was then sold. I went back into ship broking for Braemar ACM to focus on the time charter side. My original role was on the spot side. Uh, and then kind of after that, you know, I... The cycle kind of was complete for me, uh, kind of stalled out a little bit personally. And then I, I got into software. Uh, at the time, Q88 was about a year into a release of a product that was sold to ship brokers. And Q88, like Vesson, kind of recognizes they have to have, you know, they have a lot of great experts on developing product and things like that, but they also need to have an in-house uh, SME or subject matter expert. And that's kind of how I got into product management. And that's where I am right now. Uh, and it's been a really interesting, uh, role to jump into that for sure. So that's where I'm at amongst other things. I, I started a podcast and along the way I was, uh, uh, president of the Connecticut Maritime Association. Uh, I was the COVID president, uh, and that was kind of interesting too, that, uh, allowed you to 
kind of sharpen your management skills, sharpen your leadership skills, especially during a, a crisis. Uh, although it wasn't as bad as let's say other for-profit industries. I know like yourself, you started your business right around that time or right before. Uh, you definitely had to make adjustments along the way. And I was very lucky to have a fantastic board and, and support and we kind of made made it through. So so that's it. Uh, maybe a little bit more than 30 seconds, but uh, hopefully short enough. No, fantastic. Well, it gives us a great overview and uh, we'll, we'll discuss a bit more later about how um, that transition from the more the commercial and, and then the ship management side into the digital space. We'll go through that. Um, but I guess, yeah, firstly, obviously, congratulations on the success of The Last Dinosaur, uh, the podcast. Um, I mean, what initially inspired you to, to launch the podcast? And that's a, you know, it's been sit, it was sitting on my, in my brain for like two, three years, you know, and COVID and things got a little sideways and kind of focused with that and, you know, kids at home and everything else. And as we started to unwind from that, I've never been known as a creative person, right? Not an artist. I have one of my daughters is like this wonderful artist. I'm never going to be that. That's not my deal. The closest I ever come is maybe I like to cook, you know, uh, not bake, but cook. So I, I, I'm creative-ish that way, but I've never really had a creative outlet. And I also noticed that, you know, going out, I'm also social by nature, not overly social, but social enough. And, and, I thought that the podcast would be kind of an interesting creative outlet. It's kind of fun to do. It's great to meet and chat. You know, I, you and I never chatted before we had the podcast and now we've developed this nice kind of relationship. And uh, like a lot of people probably had during uh, COVID. Uh, and it, it's also a way to be social, right? It's creative in the way you can play around with things, see what works, see what dis- doesn't work. And it's not like I have a multi-billion dollar business that if my marketing campaign fails, shareholders are going to fire me. Oh, if if you know pushing it on Reddit doesn't work, well, okay, that didn't work. Oh, well, this does work. You know, So you can just play around with stuff. It's a really kind of, and I do this all after hours and on the weekends and you know, some outlets like in Instagram, I have my kids help me, hey, what's the best way to create a, a reel or whatever? And it's just kind of this this cool uh, way to, to be creative, I think. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you mentioned you're, you're actually calling in from your mother-in-law's house. Is that right at the moment? Yeah, I'm at my in-laws house. They're up in the in the Hudson Valley, the beautiful Hudson Valley in New York. I actually did a, a hike with my son yesterday, eight mile hike. So uh, that was pretty cool. The weather was, uh, let's see, it was about fifty five. De- well, it was about fifty degrees up on the mountain. So that's about ten, uh, twelve, fourteen uh, for the rest of the world. Uh, and it was just a lovely day. We went for a hike. So uh, yeah, it was really nice. We got to spend a little bit of time with them, and and uh, you know, it was a half day of work for me today. So. Uh, I'm able to, to kind of join you at a reasonable hour. Fantastic. Good. Well, I, I was uh, very fortunate to be your, your first guest on your, your podcast. And uh, at that time, I was actually on holiday with the family in, in Florida. So I remember so, that. Uh, yeah, we talked yeah. about uh, you kind of squeeze me in there. That was uh, very kind of you. Yeah, that <laughs> no, was not at all. It was good. So yes, it's kind of come full circle in a way. So it's great. I really wanted you to be our, our first guest so we can obviously catch up. And uh, I, I want to, you've got a lot lot of really relevant experience which suits our our background and and our kind of clients and our network that we work with so i think there's a huge amount of value you you can add so i really appreciate that um i guess uh, no no problem so i mean with last question regarding the podcast um i mean did you find it quite difficult to consistently kind of put out engaging content for, for your audiences 
you know, I, I think I've been pretty lucky. I've always had like a really broad based interest in maritime, you know, and, and maybe that was kind of one of my undoings as being a broker. Broker have to be so hyper focused on just the deal. And yes, I was that, but then I was also like, wow, like this is, you know, look at this technology that's happening with scrubbers or look at, you know, this is kind of cool. And, 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 you know, my interest in that and having, being involved in the Connecticut Maritime Association, also staying involved in alumni association locally here, uh, you know, of, of my university and just kind of really liking and embracing and kind of absorbing the industry kind of allowed me to, to kind of, uh, keep those creative juices flowing. I wasn't just shooting at the same point over and over, you know, we've had a lot of great guests and you know, what has happened is, and I hope I'm sure it's going to happen to you as well. Um, is that, you know, I created a list and this is what they tell you to do. You know, you, before you start, you put down 15, 20 people on a list and you just say, okay, we're going to start doing those. And what has happened is, is all of a sudden you get a random email. Hey, I heard your podcast. I'd love to be on. Or I heard, you know, I get occasionally from some, from some PR firms. Hey, I heard your podcast. I have two clients that would fit really well with this. And all of a sudden you're, you're, it's just coming to you, right? It's, 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 instead of you going out and having to be proactive or even ask for it, you just, people just start coming in. So I think, and I think also a little bit of rights, it writes itself, right? Uh, a great guest that I had on was, was a, uh, somebody I knew was a couple of years behind me at SUNY. I went to school with his brother was Nick McCarr. And he, I ran into him in London. I think we were not supposed to meet up. We just weren't able to connect. I think that's when they had the railway strikes. And Nick and I, I, I ran into him. We were chit-chatting. And then it occurred to me, he knows so much about CII. He sat on the committees at the IMO to, to draft and to represent the Marshall Islands uh, about CII. I said, why don't I have him on? So sometimes it's just an idea will present itself just through a connection, through seeing somebody, you know, if you're in London at the pub or maybe at an alumni association, say, hey, this person would be really great for the podcast. And it just kind of morphs, especially with all these things. Even a podcast I dropped this morning, Lauren Began, um, I, I want to have her on. She has her own podcast, but I wanted to have her on to talk about something to do with containers because I don't know anything about it. So to have, you know, and she talked about the, the recent dissolution of the 2M, uh, uh, you know, uh, alliance. She worked at the FMC. It's perfect. But, you know, a year ago, I would never have thought of that. She wasn't on my list, but it just kind of starts to come, you know, if you pay attention to the industry, they kind of, uh, kind of writes itself after a while, if that makes sense. Good. Yeah. Funny enough, we, we shared a little post about it and about our podcast uh, and we've had two or three just inbound leads from companies like marketing managers from different maritime software providers. So I think hopefully there should be some traction, I think. Um, Absolutely. Good. Great. So what we've called this podcast specifically the people podcast. So we want to try and showcase the more human element of behind the maritime software. So each episode will be featuring a specific role function within maritime software. So this one is going to focus on, on product management, given your, your background. Um, but before we go into that, just want to ask a couple of questions, just uh, or one question, actually, um, more about yourself. So uh, can you tell us two things that most people probably don't know about you? Okay, so I, I that's a great question. 
And and he, here are the two the two things, right? I, I think that most don't know about me. Uh, one is my middle name. Okay, it's Christopher L. Okay, so my middle name. Uh, people try to guess, you know, being a, a, an Italian last name, not 100% Italian, that's my dad's side, is actually, if people say, it's, is it Luigi? Is it Lorenzo? Is it... No, they'll never guess it. You'll never, ever, ever... Nobody will guess it, so I'll tell you. It's a okay. podcast exclusive. It's Liberato. Now, not Liberace, because people like to be funny about that. But it's Liberato. What that is, that's my grandfather's first name. Now, it was supposed to be my first name. But when I was born, uh, at the time, it was a little different. And my parents actually said to my grandparents, well, we're going to, if it's a boy, we're going to name him Liberato. And my grandfather said, no, please don't do that. <laughs> and they were like, I, he's like, I don't like my name. Uh, they used, we used to call my grandfather Al. So go figure. Uh, please don't do that. I don't like my name. So let's just do something else. So we did it my middle name. So that's probably not a lot of people know that. The second Fantastic. thing that not a lot of people know, I, I, a segment of the industry knows, and that is, you know, I'm from the Northeast. I, I, you know, don't come off like this. I absolutely love NASCAR and auto racing. Excellent. Fantastic. And, you know, uh, <laughs> a lot of it had to do, I, I started to like it when I worked for mobile. They would, at the end of the year, they would bring in all the cars that they sponsored. So they'd bring in the F1 car. I think it was Mika Hakkinen at yeah, the time. Great. They'd bring in the, the the NASCAR cars and a couple of the Indy cars, and they'd bring them onto the campus. You could take pictures. It was fantastic. Um, but then when I was a broker, we ended up sponsoring uh, client events to go to NASCAR. And I, I love it. My son and I just booked a trip uh, for, for May to go down to Dover to watch a NASCAR race. I mean, it's completely opposite of a lot of things, but sitting there and watching <laughs> cars go around and kind of enjoying yeah. the sun on your face, eh. It's 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 a good it's one of the two sports between that and hockey are much better in person, much like a hundred times better. Sounds good. Sounds like a very different Dover to, the, than we have here in the UK. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's still me Dover, and Kent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're both yes. by the water, but yeah, that's right. Yeah, good. Okay, thank you very much. Right, so let's have a look at um, the role. Let's talk about more about the digital transformation and moving into that space. So. When you did initially shift into the, the away from kind of shipbroking and, and working ship management type of roles, what challenges did you sort of face kind of going into more of a digital focused position? I think the biggest part was you didn't check a box at the time of, well, you don't have that background. You don't, you know, technology, I mean, you're a broker. Like, what do you know about technology? And I think that, you know, what QED8 recognizes, they they could fill in the technology. They needed somebody to speak the language. And I think that that's kind of evolved a little bit as well. But I, I think that that was definitely one of the challenges because you're put in a box, right? Oh, you're a broker. Or you're not. I'm like, well, you know, no, I, I'm not. A, you know, I have, I have an MBA. Not that I ever really used that before now, realistically, but I have that. I worked in a marketing company. You know, I also have leadership you know, uh, uh, roles with the CMA. I was vice president at the time. So there's a lot of different things that I think what happens is, is people put you in this box and they say, nope, you're a broker. So that's all you're good for. Um, I think that's changing a lot because companies are starting to realize they need to have an SMP, an SME at least. And there's a lot of skill sets that are very similar, but 
I think overall that was the biggest challenge. Uh, and that was probably about five, you know, coming up on five years now. I think that's shifted, but I think that's where, what I saw. Okay, good. Understood. No problem. And with regard to the Visa and, and QATA, how would you kind of describe the way in which they're helping your clients with their digital journey, whether it's ship owners or, or brokers or that you work with? Yeah, I, I think you know our kind of goal and mission and mantra is is really the the, the platform that propels the industry, right? And, and that's kind of our overall. No matter what product we have, we want to you know move your forward, which is kind of interesting. That was that's like the Vesson model, and I think if I recall correctly, the QED one was you, you know uh, where the business of shipping gets done. I forgot what it was, but it's well, that's a CMA, but I forgot what it was, but it's very similar. It was almost a parallel. Uh, track. So I, I think what you know what we're trying to do is is always just trying to whether it's the broker whether it's the owner you know execute uh, better uh, with more information at their at their fingertips right in a lot of different ways. Certainly, I know you know Vesson as well as you know QED has a voyage management system. You know, staying ahead of the curve on emissions requirements, right? Um, mm-hmm. For brokers, it's you know being able to to export uh, lists and 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 fixtures as well as to collaborate. You know those sort of things. Definitely uh, collaboration, really, for everybody. Uh, you know across the platform. But those are the type of things we're trying to do, uh, and it's exciting times for sure because you know we're a little less than a year into this. Uh, and it's just every day it's just, you know, there, we see new opportunities to kind of make the overall platform better, which is going to help, uh, all of our clients, uh, you know, current and, and potential, I think. Okay. Good. And, and, and since the kind of collaboration, um, I say collaboration, but how has uh, things changed? Has, has the culture changed in Q88 since, since Besson got involved? You know, I- I think the culture was pretty pretty close. I mean, there are you know nuances and everything, but I I, I feel that it's a very uh, inclusive culture. Uh, they're open to ideas. I think that uh, certainly the Vesson folks, uh, you know, with the QED, you know, as we started to integrate, there's no like, oh, this is what we do, so it's the right way. It may be, hey, here's how we do it, and this kind of way we've done it. Um, what do you think? And maybe there's an adjustment or for so on and so forth, but it's certainly been very good. I think there's been a real um, kind of reaching over, you know, trying to real effort to work together. I've been, I'm involved on a couple of projects right now where it's, how do we figure out to, to, you know, to make the the systems work, work with each other. I know one of my colleagues is also involved in a big project to how to make certain things work a little bit better so that, uh, so that our users kind of have, uh, you know, easier interface, easier access to the info and, and, and kind of be able to work a little bit smoother, right? If we could shave off some time and make life a little easier and less prone to errors, we're doing our job. Good. Great. Thank you. Um, okay. Now, so we're going to talk a little bit more about sort of specific role functions and things. So we mentioned this is, this is mainly about product management. Uh, I know you've got lots of experience in, in other areas, but uh, I felt like, very, very apt at the moment. And we have a number of, of clients that hire and, and have a number of product managers in their team. Um, but just for our, for our audience perspective, if they don't, in case they don't know, um, in, in your words, how would you define the role of a, of a product manager within a maritime software type of business? So I'm going to say something slightly controversial. See, this would be good. You could use this right now off the front <laughs> time. But in a way, right, it can be described. I've so if you're a product manager, 
you're you're the captain of the ship of that product, right? So if I run a product that let's say I you know I work for you know uh, somebody has a whole suite of product products, you know uh, Konesberg or 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 let's say DNV or somebody, but they have an individual product that they sell. You are the captain of that ship because you work with marketing, you work with sales, you work with developers, you work with uh, strategy, you own the roadmap. You are the captain of that ship, right? So even though a lot of those groups don't have direct reports to you, as a matter of fact, um, where I'm at, I don't have anybody that's a direct report to me. And I'm relatively senior within our group. I have zero direct reports, but I have a lot of accountabilities. People are accountable to me to assure that development gets done, to assure that design gets done. And you have to, but you have to be able to manage that. And then you're accountable for everything that happens, you know, up into senior product people and ultimately into the, you know, into the C-suite, right? Because everything, you're accountable for everything. So it's, I kind of equate it to the captain of the ship, the CEO of the company, maybe not necessarily CEO because you're not really too concerned about HR. But if you say, hey, this strategy that you want to put before me says we got to have a marketing campaign that goes out twice a month and we don't have the marketing people for or the budget, then you get into HR issues, right? You know, you may... In a side way, you have to stand up and say, I need more people or I need more budget. So it does get a little bit into that in that way. There's about a million different ways to describe product management, but I think being in the shipping industry is probably comes down to describe, you know, if you're a product manager, you're the captain of the ship for that product or that part of the product if you're dealing with yeah. a, you know, a big a big, you know, like I know that on the Vesson side, we have several product managers, you know, they deal with big chunks of, of the, of the whole, so to speak. Okay. Good. And I think some, from what I've, my, my impression and uh, experiences, some companies call, have different sort of terminology. So sometimes it might be product owner or product manager. Do you split them up as different things or? Do so those are, th- those similar? are actually two different roles because a product yeah. owner is more focused kind of on the little bit more of a granular level where a product manager mm-hmm. does a lot more on the outside. What is going on on the outside and bringing that in? Sometimes there is, you wear both hats. A lot of times I do. I know in QED8, we, a product owner sits in with the whole scrum, uh, scrum methodology, which is part of agile and, and, he or she will will be part of kind of that role, whereas product manager really is not only kind of overseeing all this, but then also has very much an eye to strategy and to the clients. You know, don't want to forget that. You know, and not the clients on. Oh, I want you to implement. You know, make this button blue instead of green. But oh, we see a, a trend in the industry, right? Like a, yeah. a good product manager three, four, three years ago, two years ago said, hey, we got these regulations coming up. We're going to have to prepare for it today because on January 1st, 2023, we're going to have a, you know, a change, right? So you're looking at that 18 months ago. That's where, you know, and you start to think about what is the trends? What will our clients need? So you're talking to the client's in the spring of 2021, you know, into the summer to start to figure yeah. out knowing that by the end of 2022, you got to have something in place. So that that's where the product manager, where product owner kind of, once it's, we know what we want to do, we 
it gets a little more granular. Yeah. So there are there are differences actually. Yeah, and I mean they're also on the product kind of market insight as well. Uh, how would you kind of over, sorry to pick your brains a bit, but how, how would that uh, you explain that kind of function? Could could it relate to the other two, or is it separate as well? No, I mean, I mean when you're when you're like when you're looking at the market, you know, part of the product owner or product manager, excuse me, is you, you know you are the voice of the client as well, right? Which you have to know what are they thinking, what are what's going on in the market, right? What pressures they're seeing, right? Uh, and I think that that's really important to stay involved in the industry, to go to conferences, even just reading articles, whether it's Tradewind, Splash, Lloyd's, uh, what, you know, there's so much free content now. You could pick and choose what you want and really get a good overview and kind of get into the psyche and, and kind of what your clients, what your end users are, are, are seeing uh, in terms of that regards. And it's a very important part of the bit of the, of the role more as product manager and senior product type thing, because you, you can also then help dictate strategy, right? Say, well, we need yeah. to allocate resources for CII. And now we need to know that, you know, the IMO is going to have their meeting next year. I am uh, MEPC, I think it's 80, where they're going to readjust some of the IMO, some of the CII. So you're going to have to be in a position to make adjustments at some point in the future. You don't need to know necessarily exactly what they are. You just need to know that by whatever date they're going to set, you're going to have to make an adjustment. So you need to figure go backwards on how do you know, when do we start talking to clients? How are they going to react? What are they going to need? And uh, along those sort of things, uh, you know, sanctions are another great issue. What are they going to need? How are they going to need it? You know, there's a there's a lot by just keeping you know tuned into the market. You're representing your clients, and by doing that, you know you're hopefully positioning yourself well. Okay, good. So as, as well as obviously being aware of what's happening in the markets and, and with your clients, are there any other kind of key skills or traits that could help make a successful product manager? Yeah, I I think you know I I think knowing your knowing the clients. You know, knowing the market, what they want. You know, knowing your product, obviously, and then of course, uh, you know, knowing technology. And what do I mean? I don't mean you have to know how to program. I mean, you have to understand how, let's say, an API works. What's the different d- delivery methods? Why is that important? You know, those sort of things. You don't need to know how to build an API. Maybe take a class. You know, again, there are so much free learning out there. You can sit there on YouTube and kind of have a good overview within a short while. To this day, I hear somebody say something, a term that I don't know what it is. I write it down on my notebook and we're done with the meeting. I Google it. <laughs> and if I really want to deep dive, I, you know, you can go on LinkedIn with classes. My company has a great resource of library and I could spend a half an hour taking a class about that topic and then I'm better off. So you have to know the technology only to the extent of kind of what's being used and you know, does your development team have an expertise in it? And it's something that, that let's say as a company, you support the use of, because there may be some technologies that, no, we don't do it this way. We do it this way. So you just have to have to have an awareness of that, of their limitations okay. and, 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 you know, so that you're not over-promising to clients, which is a fundamental uh, business, you know, mantra. Okay. And I, I guess kind of leaning on for the kind of skills I guess it's more to do with the background of the individual. So in your view, do you think having a, a maritime background is essential to be a successful product manager or, or even perhaps a sales manager within the maritime software space? I don't think it's essential. I, I, I think, 
you know, what I personally think is, you know, if you're building a product team or you're building a sales team or you're building a brokerage team, you don't want to have everybody be cookie cutter the same. And so if you have a product team, you have two people and they come up through traditional product ranks, maybe work through a, I work for a SaaS company. So maybe they work for a SaaS company in something else, you know, consumer to the consumer or maybe business to business, but farming equipment, let's say, I, I don't know, whatever. But you're building a maritime company, but they have these skill sets to know how to do things. Uh, it's good to interject at that point, maybe somebody with some maritime background because you need to have that ability to to kind of point everybody else in the right direction, which is what has, you know, one of the things that I've kind of, we've worked really well with the Vesson folks, a lot of great folks who've come up through the ranks within Vesson, but didn't have that kind of, didn't come from the industry, let's say. Uh, and, it, it, you know, it didn't come from the industry. So now it's kind of like, okay, we can help out a little bit. But Vesson's been great because they do have a lot of people from the industry, but, you know, certainly we complemented that well. So I think it's important to kind of have a well-balanced team. Uh, even, you know, I go back to like my broking days. Uh, some of the senior brokers that I worked with, uh, one guy was an accountant. He, he, one guy was an accountant for the firm and then became a broker. One guy was yeah. studying to be a, a, a school teacher, you know, an a elementary school teacher. Now, the other guy who ran the company at the time, uh, his father was in shipping, his uncles were in shipping, so he was a Greek-American. I mean, that's just what it was. But there was a lot yeah. of other people who don't have that, proper shipping background to go in. So I, I think it comes about balance. You always want to have a balance. You have too many people seeing the same way. You're going to end up getting a group think, which is not going to be good. Great. No, good. I think from, from our point of view, from, I guess, the, the recruiting side, depending on the company we're working with, they might specifically say, right, the candidate has to have experience perhaps being on board a ship. If, if they're selling, a, they're going to be selling a vessel performance sort of focused solution they need to have like maybe a naval ar architect or sure. naval engineering, marine engineering type of background. So I think there's definitely certain cases where you, it, it adds a lot of value to have that experience. Um, but no, great. I think, I think it's a real good insight to see that depends on the makeup of the team. It, it, re it really does because, you know, yeah, for, for even for a sales guy, I mean, you could have a sales, a sales, you know, saleswoman that's just a rock star. Uh, you know, she could sell uh, a coal to Newcastle, right? I mean, that's, you know, that's, you know, ice to, uh, ice to, you know, Eskimo sort of thing. Like you, yeah, you could do that. You could sell anything. Uh, but there is also sometimes I go back to this too. And this is why it's important to have the diversity, the, the, the diverse kind of viewpoint, especially if you have a company that says, no, we only hire tech people. We'll teach a maritime. Uh, the maritime business, especially is unique, as you know, is a relationship built, built business. So if you're relationship built business, you got to know where to start. And having somebody who's been in a business for a while definitely gives you uh, uh, that maybe added push. You know, maybe they went to school together or they worked for the same company. I remember at one point, you know, uh, Stolt, you know, th there were so many people who like left, you know, who would kind of go through Stolt, right? So you think you had that whole little thing where people were extolled, not because they were just turning over because they moved to Houston and then they, 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 you know, moved on, did some other stuff. So, you know, there's like these kind of cluster of people, ex Exxon Mobil people. There's a lot yeah. of us kicking around. So there's that kind of cluster that you have a relationship with that, that, you know, it, it lends well, let's say. 
Yeah, I think from our point of view, I mean, when I started the business, so I, I'm from a, a shipbroking family. My granddad was an SMP broker, so was my mum for many years. And I think having that combination of shipbroking and recruitment experience has opened up so many doors when we initially founded Cordell Beaumont in 2019. So for us, from our point of view, it's, it's, it's helped us hugely because we kind of have a little bit of an insight into perhaps what the their solution, how it's helping their end clients. So if it's if it's a chartering focused solution, we have a little bit of an over, overview of how to fix a ship and what different terminology means and that sort of stuff. So I, I think yeah, some some companies will definitely value from having people from the industry, but there's always going to be an argument if you've got the right balance that uh, it just depends. Um, and who the audience is really, and who the buyer is, if they really want to speak to someone that has an understanding of what they're selling and what they're doing in their market, then that will play a factor as well from what we're seeing. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's why I think, you know, striking a balance because you could bring different perspective on, on different things. I know just internally, like I was really lucky with the, from the Q88 side, you know, I have two, two of my fellow product managers, you know, both worked for shipping companies, but are really were tech driven background. And they've helped me a lot with like, Hey, I have this problem. Like, am I understanding this right? A tech problem. And they'd be like, no, no, let's do this way. But then also every now and again, they're like, what is, you know, our client said this, what does this mean? Oh, okay. It means I could just, yeah, it means X, right? And I can understand, okay, that's what I thought, but I needed some guidance. And it just, it works well because you can play off each other. You can play off experience and play off backgrounds. I think that's, uh, that's probably how you build a better team ultimately, right? You know, too many, uh, you know, too many people of this cut from the same cloth, you're going to get that group think and that's not going to be good. Yeah. Good. No, well, well, thank you so much for your time. I know you obviously with family and things, I don't want to keep you uh, any longer, but, but no, it really has been a pleasure speaking to you, Christopher. And, and um, thanks for joining us on our first episode. Um, So for our audience, obviously I'm sure they're familiar with you and your your podcast, The Last Dinosaur, but how is it best for them to contact you? Is it all right for them to message you on LinkedIn? Uh, LinkedIn, yeah. LinkedIn's great. You know, I'm on all the places that you'll find your podcast, uh, you know, wherever you're at. Uh, I I try to release every other week with some, some, maybe a little more frequent every now and again, but, uh, you know, follow is always great. LinkedIn's always great. Uh, feel free to reach out. I usually check my messages there or leave a comment. You know, I, I, I'll check those on a pretty regular basis, but, uh, I, I wish you the best. I hope you have success and it's fruit. This is a fruitful, uh, endeavor for, for the company. I'm excited to be the first person on. I, I hope that, yeah. uh, I hope I bring you <laughs> a lot of last. and all that stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, no, great. Right. Fantastic to have you. And, and, uh, I'll be listening to your podcast regularly as I do. Um, and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you, Cal. I appreciate it, man. Pleasure. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Maritime Software Hub. If you do have any further questions relating to this discussion, please do get in touch with myself or one of our recruiters and we would be delighted to help you. Also, please do subscribe and follow our podcast to help share our content with a wider audience base. And if you would like to see the video version of this episode, you can find the link to our YouTube channel in the show notes of this episode. Before we conclude, I'd like to share a quick overview of Cordell Beaumont, which is the company that powers this podcast. Founded in 2019, we're a specialist digital search and recruitment agency that helps highly talented sales, marketing, product management, leadership, and data analysis professionals 
secure some truly exciting career opportunities across the globe. Our client partners provide software platforms, data subscriptions and advisory services across a variety of maritime and trade-related functions. These include vessel performance management, carbon and emission monitoring, weather insights, e-navigation, pre- and post-fixture chartering, and market analysis. What really helps us add value to our community is the fact that my colleague Daniel Duggan and I both previously worked as shipbrokers earlier in our careers and each have a long family heritage in the maritime space. We share this passion of maritime across our team of recruiters and we're generally interested in in the solutions our partners provide, as well as the success of our candidate network we engage with. So on that note, I'd like to thank you for listening and following Maritime Software Hub, the People Podcast. We shall be airing our episodes twice a month on a Friday morning and we have some fantastic discussions and guests lined up for this season's episode. So bye for now and we look forward to speaking again soon.